Welcome back to Geek Explain, the podcast for comics, film, TV, and more. You name it, we geek explain it. I'm your host, Eric Azana, and today's episode is all about the Superior Spider-Man. folks i am not gonna lie to you i'm really excited about this episode (laughs) um superior spider-man is one of my favorite comic stories of all time marvel dc whatever um i have professed to many people that superior spider-man is my personal spider-man um he is just everything that i've really enjoyed about spider-man kind of flipped on its head and I think it opened up a lot of new avenues for writers and artists to tell stories that Spider-Man hasn't really been able to be a part of before. We got to see Spider-Man be essentially a crime boss, uh, establishing his own spider empire, making a spider lair, the, the whole nine yards. I'm getting way ahead of myself. So I'm calling this a superior retrospective. It's going to be an overall kind of my views, my, uh, I guess a review would be a word you could call it, but um, we're just going to be talking about the main points of the story, kind of get you interested, and if you want, you know, go check out the story. It's amazing. It's 31 issues, which sounds like a lot. But um, I'm going to give you kind of the Cliff Notes version of it so that if you are interested in the story, you can go pick it up. Uh, they just released, uh, I believe, I want to say last month, the Complete Collection, Volume 1, which uh, has the events of Dying Wish, which we will get into, uh, leading into the first 16 issues of Superior Spider-Man, the full run. And then there's also a while back... Uh, they did three hardcover volumes, basically covering the entire series. And the third volume covers issues 17 all the way through 31, and a couple of the annuals and tie-ins as well. So if you pick up the Complete Collection Volume 1, and then you pick up Volume 3 of the original hardcovers, you'll have the entire run, and you can flip through it. I actually... Uh, pulled out all of the hardcovers that I had and reread them in preparation for this episode because I wanted to make sure I didn't miss anything. But yeah, it's an amazing story, so I guess I'll go ahead and get right into it. Uh, I figured we need to start with a little uh, little preface to kind of get you in the zone for Superior Spider-Man. And so Superior Spider-Man, for those who don't know, um, centers around one of Spider-Man's most enduring villains, and that's Dr. Octopus, Otto Octavius. And in the lead-up to this landmark 700th Amazing Spider-Man issue, they were promising a big storyline. They introduced this idea that Doc Ock has been fighting superheroes for a really long time. And what comes with fighting superheroes is getting punched by superheroes, obviously. And Doc Ock finds out from a few different doctors that he's been punched one too many times. And he is dying. His body is failing him. He is not uh, enhanced by any kind of special serum. He doesn't have any powers. He just was part of a freak accident that fused four metal arms to his body. And because of that, his immune system was weakened, and he basically was given just over a year to live. So he concocted a bunch of plans, including the events of Ends of the Earth, and once every other plan fell through, he decided to concoct this final plan, his masterpiece, where, unbeknownst to Peter, he switched their minds. So Pete goes to say goodbye to him he knows that doc ock's dying and he wants to say goodbye to his his foe and 
that's when Doc Ock reveals that, hey, just so you know, I've swapped bodies with you. You're now in my dying body, and I'm now in your young, healthy body. So the events of Dying Wish is this, I believe it's one, two, three issue story where Doc Ock is basically just running around in Pete's, uh, Pete's body while Peter Parker is trapped inside of Otto's dying body. And he eventually breaks out. They have a battle, which everyone is misconstruing as Doc Ock attacking Spider-Man. And Peter, in Otto's body, believes that if he can switch the... Uh, kind of reverse engineer the process that he can get his body back. But he finds out that in the span of the time that Otto has had Peter's body for whatever limited time it was, he had reinforced his cerebral cortex and made it so that Peter can't get back into his body. So as the battle comes to a close, Otto's body is dying and Peter's mind with it but he has just enough of a connection with Otto that he is able to flood Otto with his memories. And this is all the way back from, you know, Uncle Ben getting shot, through Gwen Stacy dying, through his relationships with uh, Mary Jane, through his relationships with Flash Thompson, Harry Osborn, his triumphs, his failures, and all of this just gets downloaded into Otto's brain, and he breaks down and he's like how do you do this how do you suffer through all this tragedy and that's when peter just lays on him the with great power comes great responsibility and he tells otto that it's yours now it's your mission to responsibly use the great power you've been given and otto vows to uphold peter's legacy and promises him that he will do the best that he can to be spider-man so pete dies inside of otto's body which leaves otto essentially with a new lease on life inside of the body of peter parker and he vows that he won't just be spider-man he will be a superior spider-man so what i really like about the premise of this story is that it's not something that we really are familiar with it's not something that somebody has kind of put onto the board before but you would see in the coming years following this story that people would try to replicate it a bunch uh there is the superior or the yeah i think it was the superior iron man story where tony essentially became evil generated this huge god complex and at one point cured daredevil of his blindness it was ridiculous and then most recently we've actually seen it in the main marvel universe along with uh captain america with the hydra cap stuff with uh steve being secretly an agent of hydra the whole time and you find out that it was a mind wipe and tampering with history and all this stuff but what at this point in time i, I think it was 2013 when this first came out uh this was a new concept this wasn't something that had been beaten in the ground like it kind of has been recently and it was something that I know I, as a reader, really brought me back to the Spider-Man books. I can't say that I've been a huge diehard Spider-Man fan like I have been for others like Captain America, uh, Nightwing, Superman, but with Spider-Man, I always had this connection with him. You know, I was, like many comic book fans, you connect with him on this level of, you know, I was brought up and kind of was a nerd growing up and in comic books i kind of got to find my great power and great responsibility so i really oh our neighbor's dog is really excited about spider-man it's her favorite favorite superhero yeah we know we know we're we're talking about your favorite so basically what i really enjoyed about this story was that we got to put the mind of one of my favorite spider-man villains into spider-man's body and gave him an open playbook to say do what you would do or what you think spider-man would do and i'm just going to get into some of my favorite things about the book uh and number one on it is of course 
Doc Ock. Uh, Otto Octavius in Peter Parker's body is the craziest concept, but also the most fun part of this book. There are moments where he is presented with a problem that would usually stump Peter or otherwise make him uncomfortable, and Otto is just like, oh no, I got this. This is fine. This is why did he worry about this so much? Why did he have so much time with uh, time management? Why did he have such a problem with making sure the people in his life knew that he cared? And then as the book goes on, he starts to have his responsibility piled on him and he realizes oh god this is ridiculous why did he put himself through all of this trouble this is i i can fix this i can fix all of his problems and you really get to see through the entire arc of the story Otto realize what it is to be a hero and in that you get to see how flawed his perception is because he he even says you know Spy- peter parker was always reactionary he would come across a problem and have to come up with a solution on the fly. And what Otto really didn't understand was that Peter normally came out on top in those situations. Yeah, of course, we have to factor in the Parker luck. We have to factor in the fact that writers just don't like letting Peter have nice things. But he always seemed to come out on top in any given situation. And Otto decides that he doesn't have time to come up with all of these um, solutions to all these random problems. So he decides, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to make an entire army of little nano spider bots that'll keep surveillance on New York. He makes a police state just so that he doesn't have to be blindsided by crime. He's always alerted. He's always there exactly when he wants to be or when he needs to be his first (laughs) his first adventure is stopping this new version of the sinister six which is made of completely c-list spider-man villains and spider-man has a large rogues gallery like ridiculous like batman large so if you're a c-list spider-man villain you are bottom tier (laughs) and he comes across them and they get an upper hand on him and he just says no i'm i'm, I'm out of here so he leaves and he runs away because he doesn't want to be punched anymore and when he decides that he's going to exact revenge on them for quote-unquote embarrassing him he waits he plots he keeps them under surveillance he finds out where they are but he lets them get to their next plan point because that gives him time to set up a trap for them and you see that he is he is brutal man he in a couple points during this book you question whether you want to keep going with this story because Otto is such a flawed character who has been on the receiving end of beat down after beat down after beat down for so long that when he finally has the power to dish it out he lays into it he is reveling in Pete's power he's reveling in the ability to step on anybody who is beneath him and as spider-man Otto believes that everyone is beneath him but in that same notion he also starts to learn about the idea of why superheroes do the things they do and it's not just because he's trying to better his own life which he absolutely does he goes back and he gets peter's doctorate once he finds out that peter was never a doctor there's this really funny uh scene at horizon labs which peter has been kind of working for up to this point and he's arguing with one of the other scientists there and he says you know how dare you i'm a doctor and everyone goes no you're not what are you talking about and Otto has this weird thing where he goes like accessing memories where he starts like going through peter's memories And he's like, oh my god, he's not a doctor? Oh, we have to fix this. We have to fix this right away. So he goes back to to, uh, to university and gets Peter's doctorate throughout the course of this arc. So he gets back to being a doctor. He, at one point, 
takes out a business loan and creates Parker Industries, which is this tech startup. And under Otto's watchful eye, they start to make a lot of money and start to put out contracts and really start to better Peter's life. And that's something that I really loved about this story was you got to see that if Pete really applied himself in other aspects of his life that he as a superhero as an everyday guy like you and me he doesn't have time to get his doctorate he doesn't have time to do a tech startup he doesn't have time to do all the stuff that Otto decides is way more important than being a quote-unquote hero but he also he also starts ruining relationships he goes to MJ and of course Otto's like this creepy old dude with a bowl cut so he's like Mm, MJ, I'm gonna, you know, use Peter's body to hook up with this, you know, hot redhead. And once he realizes what their relationship is like, he's like, oh, you guys have been doing this back and forth thing for a really long time. No, I don't have time for this. I'm 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 out of here. And he breaks it off with Mary Jane and moves on. And Mary Jane's like, what just happened? So Otto's idea of a superior Spider-Man is really interesting in that he he's very proud. He thinks that every decision he makes is the right decision, whether it ends up working out for him or not. And if it works out for him, he will just bask in his glory and tell everyone how right he was. And if it doesn't work out for him, it's definitely someone else's fault, and he's going to move on, and he's going to make it better, and he's going to get revenge on whoever wronged him. And I think what's so interesting about uh, about Otto in Spider-Man's body is also the way that he interacts with the other heroes in the universe, which is my number two. And it's so strange because everyone has this idea of who Peter is in their mind, whether it's the actual fictional characters in this universe, whether it's readers like you and me, or whatever like everyone has an idea of who peter is and of course because otto is otto he acts a certain way he says certain things he his his uh his catchphrase is the die is cast to be like some weird like like battle cry for whatever he does and he says you know he starts slicking back his hair and using magnanimous words to try and make him sound uh, more important and more intelligent than other people around him and people start to be like this is weird what's going on with you and it actually comes into it makes him come into conflict with other heroes and on more than one occasion spider-man has to deal with the Avengers because at this point in time in the Marvel Universe he's an Avenger he's been a card-carrying Avenger for a little while now and he has been in the trenches with them he's part of this heroic age with this new band of Avengers that have kind of been cobbled together after all of the other Avengers teams have been disassembled and his Avengers teammates are one of the first groups to be like no I don't know about this this is weird and they start confronting him, they start asking him all these questions, like, what's going on with you? And he is just, he's above it all. He thinks that he doesn't need the Avengers, he can get along just fine without them, and he's really flippant. And they, so what they do is they put him through a few different tests because they think, oh, he might be a Skrull, he might be possessed by some uh, demon from the astral plane, like, all this stuff so they do all these tests and they find out no it's it's the real peter parker but we can't explain what's going on with him and then later on with when other issues happen they're like no we gotta we gotta bring him in we don't know what's wrong with him he keeps attacking people and viciously brutalizing people and it's so interesting seeing what spider-man's place in the superhero community is because you think about, you know, Spider-Man is, is, for the most part, he's your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. So he is on the street level. He is the guy who tries his best to look out for the little guy. And everyone has kind of settled into this comfortable idea that Spider-Man is not on the same level as the Avengers. But what you see in this book is that he is valued as a hero he is valued as an avenger and when they figure out that something's wrong with him they immediately act because they're like this is a problem that we need to fix 
this is a problem not just for us as a team but for the world at large and there's more than one occasion where he comes into conflict with them and he is beating the crap out of the avengers and it's not until something like happens that he is uh put off guard and then they're able to knock him out but you also get to see his interactions with other members in the spider-man community you get to see his interaction with uh black cat which for those who don't know like they've had this kind of weird batman catwoman thing where sometimes they're lovers sometimes they're not sometimes he's chasing after her sometimes he just kind of gives up and lets her go but the first time that otto as the superior spider-man comes across black cat black cat's you know being all flirty with him and he just punches her in the face like knocks a tooth out she's like what the hell and he webs her up he's like all right later it just moves along and she says that she's that he's going to pay for this and this really sets her on the path to where she is in the comics today where she's essentially vying for the spot of kingpin of new york and she's established this whole crime family and all this stuff but that's way past the story so we won't get too far into that but just interacting with him all of the members of the spider-man supporting cast are forever changed and one of the big changes to this supporting cast is the introduction of Anna Maria Marconi. And Anna Maria is introduced as a student alongside uh, Peter while he is trying to get his doctorate. And she is a little person. She is a midget. And she is incredibly smart. She is... She walks up to him on his first day and gives him her card to uh, tutor him. And pretty soon, Otto falls in love with her, and she falls in love with Otto's mind. And the two of them begin a relationship. And it's really interesting, and I completely forgot about this until I reread it this past weekend. But it's really awkward when they go to have dinner with aunt may and uh, jay jameson which another talking point is that at this point uh aunt may is married to j jonah jameson's dad so that effectively makes uh peter and jonah like cousins in law i guess so it's it's really weird but it's kind of funny but so they have this dinner where it's the four of them and Anna cooks dinner and by the way she is a ridiculous ridiculously good cook across the entire book like they're just talking about how good of a cook she is and she really the first big interaction she has with Peter Otto is that during their tutoring she cooks for him and he's just like oh my god this is just like my mother made and that's when i think in the story he falls in love with her but they have this conversation and you kind of get the feeling that aunt may's like surprised that anna maria is like a little person and at a certain point she like really bluntly is just like are you do you think that if you guys have kids you're gonna have complications and it's like this weird like whoa Aunt May is kind of judgmental, but in her defense, like, those are things that she thinks about. She's a grandmother, technically, and she's, you know, thinking about grandkids, and it's this weird, weird, really uncomfortable interaction, and it's only uh, added to by the fact that Peter, with Otto's mind, has just no experience with social interactions. He's, I mean, he's Doc Ock. Like, he's not used to living an everyday life as a 20-something guy who is dating this girl and has had a loving family around him. One of the big points of this story is that he, you know, you get to take a deep dive into Otto's past and his upbringing. And Otto has had a tough life. Like, his... Uh, his dad used to beat him when he was young. He didn't... He was bullied. He essentially had a lot of the same background as peter but just worse and peter even acknowledges that 
at, in another time, another world, if he had been treated as badly as Otto growing up and hadn't had Uncle Ben and Aunt May, he might have turned out just like Otto did, which is another really interesting dynamic when you come to think about how they, uh, how they coalesce and how they, as a hero and a villain, really mirror each other. And speaking of villains, an interesting part of this story is the introduction of new rogues to Spider-Man's repertoire. And what I really like is they they revived a couple interesting characters. Like, they brought back uh, Ro- Roderick Kingsley, who is the original Hobgoblin. And he... He at this point in the story has been buying up all of these supervillain properties quote unquote and has been selling them so he's essentially being like oh hey you know you want to be uh whatever the shocker he's like i have the shocker's costume i have the shocker's equipment if you pay me his trademarked stuff is all yours and you can be the new shocker and so you see a lot of these spider-man villains who pop up and you're like oh man i haven't seen that person in a while and then like at the first sign of danger they're like oh man no i'm sorry i'm just some regular guy who bought this mask off of kingsley i'm sorry and so i thought that was a really interesting idea and that they didn't really go as far with it as i would have liked but bringing roderick kingsley back is always great because he's an awesome villain and i hope that they do more with him going forward but they also brought back some villains that were kind of fringe like they bring back this character called blackout i think i think his name's blackout see he's that that's how fringe he is i can't remember the name of him but he comes back and i believe the spider-man the superior spider-man annual and he is this like half demon vampire thing that like normally fights Ghost Rider every now and then. But he comes back and he kidnaps Aunt May. And it's like this is one of those brutal, brutal things that I was talking about before. Like once Peter finds out that he kidnapped Aunt May, he said he basically says, the gloves are off. Like, I'm not I'm not letting you walk away from this and so once he rescues aunt may he like strings him up on meat hooks he starts like pulling out his teeth with pliers like he tortures this guy and it's like it's it's hard to look at but again like you get to see all of these rogues basically interacting with him and going like whoa what is he doing now like he he also comes across uh jester and screwball which are these two again like c-list villains who really have nothing going on for them but they have this little web show where they go and they prank people their first uh their first little prank in the book is that they throw a pie in J. jameson's face and they embarrass uh doc ock peter on live uh streaming and ock is just enraged he is done with being embarrassed he thinks that being in the spider-man body means he won't be embarrassed so he just tears into these two like low-class villains to the point that people are like oh my god like this is a problem and he sends both of them to the hospital and is just it's it's horrifying uh, he also runs into, like I said, the uh, the Sinister Six. There's an issue dealing with Alistair Smythe, the Spider Slayer. Uh, a couple issues, actually. And you get to see there's an interesting uh, deal with him where he tries to do the same thing, uh, switching his mind with Otto's, but he realizes, wait a second, your cerebral cortex is armored. How can... How, how did you know that I was going to do this? And Otto, like, admits to him, like, because I already did it. And then Alistair dies under, you know, dubious circumstances. And it's it's so interesting to me that the way that Otto approaches these villains in a way that Peter never would. And this goes all the way up to the climactic, uh, the penultimate threat to this series which is norman osborne's green goblin and 
Norman Osborn's Green Goblin is, I will admit, like a played out kind of villain. We've seen a lot of him. He's like the Joker for Batman. At a certain point, you get to oversaturation. And he is someone that everyone always wants to bring in. But when they do, they're like, no, I don't know. But they brought him in for this story. And I think what really made him fresh and unique in the story is that we had him going up essentially against... Otto Octavius. He wasn't going up against Peter Parker this time. And he finds out fairly early on that it is Otto in the Spider-Man mask. And so you get to see throughout the story all the way up to the final arc that he is biding his time and planning and he hacks the Spider-Bots that we were talking about earlier. He hacks them so that Spider-Bots go blind whenever they're looking at someone with a goblin mask or with a goblin insignia tattooed on them. So uh, Osborne is essentially able to work under Doc Ock's nose without any kind of pushback. And ultimately, when Otto finally confronts him, he finds out that he's outclassed. He was, as Osborne puts it, the number two Spider-Man villain, while he is just not on the same level as Osborne, especially with all the planning that Osborne has put into this uh, this master, this magnum opus of uh, what he calls Goblin Nation. And so getting back to uh, the things that I really like is, whew, you, you start talking about something you like and you get on tangents. Uh, but one of the biggest things I do have to talk about before I go any further is the art. The art is amazing. Uh, there are three main artists on the book. There's uh, Ryan Stegman, there's Giuseppe Camincoli, and there is um, Umberto Ramos. Now, Ryan Stegman's probably my least favorite out of the three, but in no means does that... Am I trying to say that he is a bad artist? Uh, they're, all of the issues are really well drawn. The colors, the whole vibe really gets you in the mood for essentially Batman, Spider-Man. And you get to see through just all of the art that is used throughout the entire book how much Otto is going down the rabbit hole and becoming Spider-Man. And you start to see that Spider-Man, his costume gets darker. He employs like this spider army. He takes over the raft, the old uh, superhero prison, and turns it into Spider Island, his like secret lair, which isn't really secret. And you get to see him slowly starting to work his way into being a hero, and then him kind of being misguided into the way that he wants to be a hero. And it's all expressed really well in the art. Um, out of the three, I would probably have to say my favorite artist is Cameron Coley. I think he really hits home just how different Otto is when he's emoting through Peter's face and you really get to see that throughout the book as it progresses uh, Peter like because he is uh, getting so many home cooked meals from Anna Marie and he's you know not really focusing so much on other aspects of his life he starts to kind of put on weight and I don't know if it was uh, if it was explicitly meant to but you start to see like especially once you get into like issue 20 through later issues like when he starts to kind of put on weight around his chin and around his jaw and he starts to slowly start to resemble like young Otto and I just I think that's fantastic and it's if if it wasn't intentional that's totally fine but if it was intentional that's awesome but Another aspect that I really enjoyed was this retrospective on who Peter is. And I touched on it a little bit earlier. But you really get to see what Peter means to the people that are in his life. You get to see that MJ put so much on hold in her life so that she can be Spider-Man's girlfriend. And when she finally decides that she's done with trying to chase him and trying to be there for him all the time, she opens up a nightclub. She starts dating a firefighter. She starts really bettering her life. And even when Peter gets his body back at the end of the series, she says, like, I'm in a good place in my life and I don't need the craziness that comes from being in your life. And she walks away from him. So you also get to see his relationship with Aunt May and 
it's really weird because Otto, at a certain point in the uh, in Spider-Man's history before this point, he married or he tried to marry Aunt May, and so he has this weird, this really weird like uh, protective uh inclination to her and he's always like checking on her he's also always trying to better her life which is great for aunt may and she really takes it as oh peter you know is finally finding time to spend with me and otto is always monologuing in his head he's like man why wasn't peter paying more attention to this lovely woman who has done everything for him and you also get to see his interactions with other people and what people mean to his life in the whole interactions that he has with the Avengers that I was talking about, uh, you see that Wolverine has like this this weird like older brother relationship with him, where everyone is just like, "Oh man, we got to bring him in. He's trouble. He's a menace now." And Wolverine's like, "No, dude, Spider Man's my Spider Man's my guy. Like, if we got to bring him in, that's fine. But I will vouch for him every single time." And it's it's so interesting because you don't think about it. You don't think about what peter's just his presence has what impact he has on other people's lives and i think that's one of the most amazing things about this book now another really cool thing that this book brought back was uh reintroduction of different ideas and different characters that we had seen in the past and that includes spider-man 2099 miguel o'hara and for uh 90s kids like me, admittedly, I am. Uh, I loved everything about Spider-Man 2099. He is a future version of Spider-Man from, of course, the year 2099. He has a lot of Spider-Man's abilities, but also some different ones. And through uh, an arc in this story, he ends up trapped in the present, which later on led to him getting his own solo book again and all this stuff. But I loved him coming back and not really knowing what was going on and kind of trying to be like, dude, we've met. There's there's a hilarious thing where they run into each other, and Otto, at this point, has kind of purged Peter's memories, so he doesn't recognize uh, Spidey 2099, and Spider-Man 2099 is like, dude, we've met, like, we're friends, and Otto's like, no, you must not have left that big of an impression on me, I don't remember you. And so they fight, and it's it's really interesting interactions, and when Peter does eventually get his body back, uh, Miguel is just like, yeah, okay, yeah, that makes sense, alright, let's move on. And just kind of accepts that this is something that happens in Peter's life, but um, yeah, it was, it was really interesting. We also got to see, and I completely forgot about this, I love this story, but I completely forgot about this, the superior Venom. There's an arc where Flash Thompson, who was the childhood bully of Peter Parker, later on became a war hero over in the Middle East, but had both of his legs blown off, was bonded to the Venom symbiote, and was turned into Agent Venom, who he basically was just... Uh, so, so picture Punisher's skill set with the Venom symbiote, but with Captain America's mind and will and that's flash thompson and he was an amazing amazing character and i really enjoyed him and he runs into uh superior spider-man and otto's like dude the venom symbiote is really cool i think i want that and so he tricks flash into giving him the symbiote and then takes a symbiote himself because he thinks oh i'm Otto octavius peter might not have been able to handle this but i can i have a superior intellect i can do this and immediately he just starts thrashing people he gets out of control he starts fighting the avengers and at a certain point he realizes holy crap the symbiote was playing me this whole time and because my ego was too big i couldn't see it and so when they eventually are able to get the symbiote off of him. He comes up to everyone and he's just like, oh man, I'm so glad you did that. Like, you know, I know I've been acting weird lately, but we can all attribute it to the Venom symbiote, right? You know, I've, I know I've been weird for like the last six months and I've only had the Venom symbiote for like the last three hours, but the Venom symbiote is really the reason that I've been crazy this whole time. And nobody buys it, but like everyone's just like, oh, we'll give you a pass for right now because we don't really have anything we can pin on you. 
and so like I just I I loved the design of Superior Spider-Man, which again the art amazing, but he Superior Venom is so terrifying because he has these broad ass shoulders that like could I guarantee could lift a cow just on his shoulders alone, and he's got this like lizard like. Uh, physicality and it's gross and it's just it's really really cool to look at but he really sold home this idea that he is going to approach situations differently than peter ever would so i i really enjoyed that and i really enjoyed that throughout the entire run of this book again Otto got to experience all of these things that peter experienced but got to approach them in a different way and that includes his, his interactions with one j jonah jameson now for just a quick catch up up to this point in the story jana jonah j jonah jameson wow that is a tongue twister of a name uh he had been elected mayor so he was mayor of new york and he was just just the worst <laughs> uh Jano, jonah jameson is an amazing character with a lot of depth and a lot of um a lot of things a lot of character but he was an awful mayor and he initially is just like oh i'm gonna use my mayoral status to prove to everyone that spider-man's a menace but then because otto is a villain and he is silver-tongued he manipulates jonah into being his ally and giving him unfettered access to the police department to any of his resources and so jonah falls hook line and sinker for it and becomes superior spider-man's ally and is just like oh man i know i was saying he was a menace before but now he's he's new york's greatest treasure he is new york's favorite son and eventually of course this plan backfires on him because during the alistair Smythe arc um it's all set around that Smythe is going to be executed for uh, murdering Jonah's wife. And at a certain point when Alistair breaks out and he's, you know, causing all kinds of ruckus in the Raft prison, Jonah looks to Superior Spider-Man and he says, he's executed today. I don't care how it happens. I'm giving you an order. And of course Otto records it of course he uses it for blackmail after the whole event happens and he keeps jonah just just ugh, just tied down to being spider-man's forced ally throughout the rest of the book and you feel bad for him but at the same time it's jonah like he's kind of a dick sometimes so you really get to see that and by the end he is kind of uh, outed for messing up so much and he ends up stepping down as mayor and again he when peter gets his body back he has this whole heart to heart with jonah and jonah's like you know i i own up to my mistakes i face the consequences for them unlike you and i'm gonna keep moving forward and it's kind of sad because jonah was riding high and uh otto basically ruins his life but um, so the story ends, of course, like I said, with uh, Goblin Nation, where essentially Osborne takes over New York and Otto, in all of his power, all of his responsibility, realizes that he can't beat him. He just can't. And he realizes that there's only one way to beat him and there's only one man who has ever really known how to beat him, and that's Peter Parker. So Peter, who has been his subconscious has kind of been lurking in the back of Otto's mind uh, makes itself known to him and they kind of have a heart to heart Otto, Otto admits to him that he is not in any way shape or form superior to Peter and he admits that Peter is the superior Spider-Man so he uses this machine that he originally earlier in the book used to cure a child of i believe it was some form of brain cancer and he erases everything his memories his subconscious everything about him he erases it so that peter can come back and be spider-man again 
and he gives up this amazing relationship that he had with Anna Marie and it's sad man it's really sad but anyway uh, he says goodbye to Peter he is fully deleted Peter comes back dons his original costume again and he goes out to fight Goblin and one of the best moments in this whole whole run is when Goblin is you know taunting him because he still thinks Otto is Spider-Man and he's like you know you're gonna die here and you're gonna have nothing to show for it and Spider-Man says something along the lines of yeah but at least I'll have never worn a man purse and Osborne just stops mid-flight in his glider and he turns to him with this disgusted look on his face and he just goes it's you and <laughs> Peter's just like oh yeah so they have a final battle he ends up beating him but Osborne ends up getting away through the uh, through the tunnel subway system and Peter has this heart to or Spider-Man rather has this heart to heart with Anna Marie and she admits that she's in love with him and that she that she's in love with Peter and that she just wants to make sure he's safe and so Peter has this just this moment of clarity where he realizes like Otto gave up everything so that he could save her and that so we could save New York and for all the good that he did for all the lives that he saved someone had to die for them to win and it's just it's it's a Greek tragedy it that's what it really is is superior spider-man is a Greek tragedy it is a villain trying to his best at being a hero and ultimately failing and it's sad it's really sad but it's also one of the greatest i think um in-depth character analysis that you could really get on dr octopus or spider-man so that is like i said the cliff notes of the superior spider-man run i really hope you pick it up you go check it out it's an amazing story uh if you're not a fan of going and picking up books I realize that some people don't have time to go to a comic shop. There are apps. There is a Marvel app. There is a Comixology app. Both of those have the Superior Spider-Man run on them. Check them out. Uh, I don't believe they're super expensive on those apps. And just enjoy this amazing story. But if you're interested in looking at other stories beyond the basic uh, Superior Spider-Man story, I do have some further reading some further reading here in my notes um just to give you an idea on some books you can check out i think there's one two uh, four there's okay there's there's under 10 there's under 10 books uh, and i have them kind of separate separated out as in uh pre-superior spider-man during superior spider-man and post-superior spider-man so for the pre i have two there's uh, ends of the earth which was the uh, big event that kind of set us on the course for this story uh, at this point Otto had realized that he is dying and is trying to make his mark on the world so he tries to use what he calls the Octavian lens to show the world what it would be like without the ozone layer and he try he essentially like melts part of the earth uh, he doesn't really melt it but he like raises the climate up and tries to boil people alive it's a it's a bonkers crazy story but so that also leads into the other book which is dying wish which is uh the lead up to superior spider-man great little story that really sets up what we're going into for the main chunk of the story now during superior spider-man there's also a companion book called superior spider-man team up uh, it spun out of the Avenging Spider-Man, which was basically like Spider-Man every week. It was an issue with Spider-Man teaming up with this character from the Marvel Universe, and then this character from the Marvel Universe. A couple issues were dedicated to Wolverine, which really expanded uh, their relationship. And during the Superior Spider-Man run, you really got to see how he interacted with other heroes and villains in the universe, and totally goes into what I was talking about with his uh, him really making his place in the Marvel Universe known and clear to not just the reader but to everyone around him and then post superior spider-man after otto's been erased after peter has regained his body um 
there's four books that if you wanted to continue Otto's adventures because it's comics and he does live past this, uh, you can check out. And the first one is, of course, Spider-Verse, which is this big event book which takes every Spider-Man from every continuity and puts them all in one book. They even mention the Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, which is really funny. But uh, during the Spider-Man, the Superior Spider-Man run, there's a point in the book where during the introduction arc that brings Spider-Man 2099 into the present, Superior Spider-Man gets caught in this time explosion, and he is gone for 24 hours. Next day, they bring him back, and he is... His costume is slightly torn, and he's talking about, you know, I'll get you for this. You'll never, you'll rue the day you've ever messed with. What? And he, we don't know what happened in those 24 hours. Well, Spider-Verse tells you exactly what happened in those 24 hours. So it's an amazing book. It's kind of a mess to read because the, uh, the big omnibus that they put together that compiles all the stories is made in a way that it's out of reading order which sucks but it's a great fun story and then the next one is dead no more clone conspiracy which is a more recent book and this involved um a the consciousness of superior spider-man before he learned what it was like to be a real hero this is when he was still getting dark and edgy and all that stuff he backed up his consciousness into a hard drive and unbeknownst to peter or anyone else has been keeping this consciousness alive through just being a computer program well during the dead no more clones conspiracy arc he transfers his consciousness into a new body which initially is just like his old doc ock body but by the end of the book he transfers himself into a perfect clone of peter so essentially he's back he is back as uh, Doc Ock in Peter's body and he goes on the run again and that leads directly into the next book on my list which is Secret Empire uh, you heard me talk about Sp Secret Empire a little while ago and Secret Empire is another mess <laughs> it's, it's an amazing story I really liked it it got a lot of people in trouble including Nick Spencer the writer with a lot of fans a lot of fans didn't like it I really enjoyed it but during this um, Doc Ock is recruited by Hydra and given a new costume and he calls himself the Superior Octopus and so the tie-ins for Secret Empire is really what I'm trying to get at here because the tie-ins for Amazing Spider-Man in the whole Secret Empire storyline focus around pete versus uh otto and really over the heart and soul of parker industries which otto built up and peter kind of got to reap the benefits of so it's a great little uh i would say wrap-up story to wrap up any loose ends from the superior spider-man run and this also leads into my final recommendation which is the go down swinging arc uh this is the most recent um, storyline that's happened in Spider-Man. Uh, it is the final arc of Dan Slott, who was who has been writing Spider-Man for the last ten and a half years. Uh, huge landmark story where uh, Norman Osborn gets a hold of the Carnage symbiote. You heard me talk about it a little while ago, I believe last week, probably. My days are a blur, but. It's awesome, and the final issue has a great little uh, reunion for Otto and his superior octopus guys coming to Aunt May's aid when she's attacked by Norman Osborn using the Carnage symbiote, and you get some closure on that relationship. And at the end of Go Down Swinging, you find out that he has run away to the west coast where horizon labs has started up and anna marie marconi is there as kind of the uh director and he shows up under a new alias and so we don't know what's really going to happen so i'm excited to see what happens with him but i am even more excited to just experience 
what happens for the foreseeable future with Spider-Man. And while we're talking about the foreseeable future with Spider-Man, we also got to talk about Spider-Man's past. Uh, you heard me mention uh, Dan Slott, and he is officially done writing Spider-Man. He's been writing the book for ten and a half years, and uh, Spider-Man 801, which came out this last uh, week, put a cap on his run before he jumps over to the Iron Man books. And this episode was really inspired by the episode of Word Balloon, which is another amazing comics podcast. If you don't know about it, it's wonderful. John Suntress does an amazing job, has interviews with people all across the comic space. And this episode was kind of inspired by his interview, his exit interview with Dan Slott. Uh, Dan Slott did a... I guess you could consider it an exit interview on his Spider-Man run with John Suntress. And he goes over everything, including the fact that he got death threats over <laughs> Superior Spider-Man, which is crazy. But um, I personally want to say, I know Dan Slott listens to this podcast and he's a huge fan, so hi Dan. And <laughs> I just want to say thank you, Dan, for all of the amazing Spider-Man books um, I know they've been from each end of the spectrum to love, from love to hated, but I have been a big fan of your writing, and I think that it is going to be a tough act to follow for Nick Spencer, who is now going to be writing the Amazing Spider-Man book. But that is the Superior Spider-Man. Uh, let me know what you thought of this episode let me know if you're gonna go pick up the superior spider-man book please do it's one of my favorites uh and if you do pick it up let me know what you think i would love to have a conversation with you guys on superior spider-man on dance slot on spider-man in general or comics in general i love talking to you guys i love having conversations about comics with you guys and you can reach me for those conversations on Twitter at GeekSplainedPod. That's at GeekSplained, P-O-D. And you can also send me emails. I'm an old man. I love emails. Uh, you can send your emails with any questions, any suggestions for future episodes, or anything like that to GeekSplained at gmail.com. And I will go ahead and wrap that up here. Oh, oh, okay. I have a really awesome announcement to make. Um, for those of you who don't know, I'm an actor. I love acting. I love everything that comes with acting. And recently, some friends and I uh, put together a short film. And when I say some friends and I, I mean they did all of the hard work and I just said some lines on camera. But I... And pleased to announce that our short film got accepted into the Midsummer Night Scream uh, Horror Festival. It's a horror short. It's called Murder of Friendship Story. Uh, if you look it up on YouTube, you can find the teaser trailer there. Uh, you can also go on Facebook. I believe the Facebook page is Maths, M-A-F-S. Or if you just look up Murder of Friendship Story, you'll find it. Please like the page. Um, if you are able to make it to Midsummer Night's Scream, I believe it's the last weekend in July. Uh, would love to see you there. Would love to uh, have you guys come out and support. Uh, we are really, really excited. It's our first big festival in LA. Uh, my friends and I have been making films for a while. And I'm, again, when I say we, I mean they have. And they've let me bug them about putting me in their films. But I love, love, love the people that I got to work with on this. I love the people that uh, put their time in and really made this as good as it could be. So again, check it out on YouTube. Check us out on Facebook. Um, check out Carter Inc. Films on Instagram and Twitter and all the fun stuff, all the social medias because they are the people who put it together and they are amazing at everything they do and I know they're listening to the podcast as well so shout out to you guys but that will do it for me uh, again, love this story let me know if you did let me know what your favorite Spider-Man story is and if you pick up this book let me know what you thought 
So uh, that'll do it for this week. Uh, next week is the first installment of our Kingdom Hearts series leading up to Kingdom Hearts 3. And we will be going in-depth on the story of Kingdom Hearts 1, the very first game, the one that started it all. But until then, for Geeksplained, this is Eric Azana. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time.